Welcome to season three, episode seven of The People's Project. Last episode in this season, Josh, and big news to talk about. Hotel yes. quarantine round three. We're going to talk about uh, people's disconnect from reality. There's some funny stuff in there I want to show you. And uh, lastly, the uh, yet another secret deal with China. I'm sick of talking about China. It's not my fault. Dan keeps doing stuff with China. I'm pretty sure this jacket was made in China. Does that make me anti-Australian? Everything is made in China. We're going to go into this. 20% of the world's cotton is made in, in the Chinese province of Xinjiang, where the Uyghurs are interned in, in camps. Welcome to the final episode. Let's go. Hotel quarantine round three started yesterday in mm. Victoria, which is fun. It's like, uh, I, I said, it's like banging your head. You said this, I saw that, yeah. On a wooden door, trying to open it. And it hasn't worked twice, and you've got a headache, and you're like, maybe just one more. <laughs> they are doing it a little bit differently, and I thought we'd do a little bit of a, a dive on what is hotel quarantine, mm. what hotels are actually being, people just say it's hotel, I'll tell you which hotels, and I'll, I'll go through some stats of how many people are actually coming in and out, why we've got Australians stranded overseas, and we haven't done any intro to the show. Like, um, I know you, yeah. We've got a lot to cover today. All right. Well, hotel quarantine started. Uh, more than 100 people arrived yesterday, mm. first day. Um, flights from Sri Lanka, Doha, Singapore, and Dubai. Do you know the hotels? This is the Intercontinental mm. in the Melbourne CBD. That's one of the hotels. So we have the Intercontinental. We have the Holiday Inn at Melbourne Airport, which is where it, it escaped round two, where we mm. stuffed up. Uh, Novotel Ibis in the CBD. Holiday Inn on Flinders Street in the CBD, and then two more. So that's four hotels. The other two are the Pan Pacific, which is in the CBD for airline crew. They get their own place. And the Element Hotel in Richmond, where Complex carries. Element is run by the West End. I'm a big fan of the West End. So that's where they are. They're all, they're, they're all in the CBD except for one at the airport and one in Richmond. And you know these hotels? Mm. They are paid millions of dollars, regardless of whether the hotel yeah. quarantine is happening or not. I know. It, look, when I was doing the research on Dan Andrews and the hotel quarantine scam and all that sort of stuff, basically what I could glean out of it was this is about spreading cash around. Good work if you can get it. I mean, these hotels are struggling, right? So why wouldn't you put your hand up at this point? All right. Uh, the first plane came from Sri Lanka. Do you know how many people are on that plane? I don't know. Normal planes, about 300 people. 11 people were on it. 11? Yeah. See, this is what I wanted to teach on. The reason is there are caps set by our government. Mm. I don't know how common knowledge this is. Government says, no, you can't have that many people coming back in. So in other words, what you're saying is, let's just say, just for argument's sake, there's 2,000 people in the world that want to come into Australia. The Australian there's government... 40,000, but go on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just making yeah, it lower yeah, yeah. for 2, easier to understand. 2, so there's 2,000 people that want to come in. The Australian government isn't saying, sure, come in. And it's the other countries that are saying, no, you can't leave. It's the Australian government saying, wait, everybody. We'll take one at a time. Come on. Now you... And so basically, it's that sort it's of deal. It says it on the smarttraveler.gov website that they don't want to overwhelm uh, hotel quarantine. Raises some big curly questions, but let's talk about actually how many people are getting into Australia and how many are not. I have gone to the Australian Bureau of Statistics and found these stats for us. I don't know if anyone's seen this. We're going to look at February 21, which is the latest that I could find. And we have two things. We have all the arrivals at the top and all the departures down here by state. So if we look at the February 21 column, 
up here. How many people are arriving? New South Wales in February 21. Now th this is, I should just say what type of arrivals this is. This is all customs clearances. So if you're an air crew yeah. and you come in and out in two days, you're in these stats. Right. If you're an exempted work and you come in and out, okay, so we're not talking about Australians returning home. Right. This is just about a gross number bodies. of everybody that is going through customs. Yes. Bodies who have gone through customs and gone bit with their passport. All right. 10,500 10 to New South Wales arrived in February 21, but only 3,000 to Victoria. Mm. So right now, if anyone, these politicians who are trying to say, I'm not going to, so Queensland said, I'm not going to pay the bill for New South Wales hotel quarantine. Victoria's trying to say we have a gold standard or trying to say bad things about New South Wales. We have to keep in mind, New South Wales are lifting the heavy weight. They're doing three times as much, more than three times as much as Victoria. Well, one thing that this doesn't tell you is from where are these people coming? So yes. let me give you an example why that yeah. might be important. I have that. It well. is flu season in the UK. Yeah. And so if, say, New South Wales travellers are coming from uh, Middle East or yeah. some other place, yeah. then maybe that might explain why it's three times higher than Victoria. But at the same time, um, you know, maybe these numbers are low because of that fact. Well, the thing is, whatever the case, you can't say New South Wales, you're doing a rubbish job. You can't even really compare them. Yeah, like New, New South, South Wales, Wales are doing awesome. Well, if the fact that they're still open, they're not closing their borders, they're not locking down, and they're bringing in three times as many people. And they're not, they're not getting uh, cases. I mean, yeah. Queensland are the only state in Australia that has active cases. So right Queensland now. took in 5,600 uh, in February 21, which is a bit more than... than Victoria. Anyway, look, we've got to stop slamming New South Wales because they are doing, by these numbers, an amazing job. Now, let's look at departures. Oh, your question, where are they coming from? That yeah. was there as well. So ABS tells me that most people are coming from, which country? New Zealand. Really? Yeah. Bloody communist New Zealand. <laughs> anyway, very interesting. Uh, over here, we have departures uh, who's going out? So we've got 15,000 are leaving through New South Wales and 8,000 leaving through Victoria. So help me understand. So just get me back on track. This is through customs. Yeah. We don't know whether these are uh, citizens no, no. going out or no. whether it's holiday makers coming home. Mm -hmm. right. I have found out though that most of the incoming is New Zealand. Most of the outgoing is Chinese nationals. Okay. Students and so on. Interesting. Mm. Uh, all right. Now, I want to point something out. We have a lot of people leaving, a lot of people coming from New South Wales, less so in Vic. But look at the ratios. Uh, in fact, I'm, I put all this into a graph. So check out this graph. I put the arrivals yeah. and the departures. So arrivals in orange, departures in green. So New South Wales is similar, like 10,000 in, 15,000 out. Queensland is similar, like 5,000 in, 5,000 out. And so on. But you look at Victoria, we've had 3,000 in but 9,000 out. It's like there's a mass exodus in yeah, the Yeah, that proportion is... Well, to be fair, Victoria has a lot of international students. Not right now, but yeah. Not I, now. I see saying. But New South Wales does too. Yes. And New South Wales also has a big Yeah, thing. but the ratio, see, they're still bringing yes, a lot of Yes, the ratio, because Victoria said, no, we're not inviting people in. We're just going to let people out. But when you look at ACT, I mean, it's so small, it's almost irrelevant to talk about. Same with Tasmania. WA is another big exit entry point for Australia. And it's interesting, ratio is the, same, the yeah. ratio is a lot more even. 
Queensland is interesting. It's having uh, more people come in than go out. That's a good point. I mean, I don't know how to interpret this graph other than to look at it and go, hmm, yeah, I wonder what's going on there, knowing that there are elements underneath that explain this graph, mm. but we don't necessarily have all the information to make full and sense. you and I are not smart enough to do that, but what we are doing is something the media are not doing, which is just delivering some facts. Looking at some data points. Exactly, yeah. and the people watching can make up their own minds on what they think of all this, but we just don't see this information. And it gets bigger. Let me give you some more information. Uh the caps that I talked about, where SCOMO, well, okay, so the, the caps are on returning uh, returning Australians are set by state governments in national cabinet led by Scott Morrison. Mm -hmm. So when Scott Morrison comes out and announces we're going to increase the number of cap, the cap, we're going to decrease the cap, it's after meeting with all the premiers and they hash it out in that national cabinet. So can I ask just to clarify something? So Scott Morrison might say we're going to take in 50,000 and Victoria say, we'll take 3,000 of those. I don't know how it works within National Cabinet because I'm not there. Uh, but the point is it's set by the states and then ratified as a group in National Cabinet and Scotty announces it. The caps are way smaller than those numbers that we just saw. So right now, as of 15th of February 21, it's the latest data I could find, uh, Victoria is taking 1,310 per week. How, I wish I knew how many actually want to come in. What percentage? I, I do know. 40,000. That's going to take a very 000. long time. That's a year. Well, New South Wales are taking in approximately 3,000 per week. So there's mm. 4,300 between New South Wales and Victoria. So the point is there are 40,000 Australians overseas wanting to return home and they can't get here because the government, not the airlines, the mm. government is saying, no, you can't come in beyond this cap unless you're rich. They all get in. Or, yeah. or you're, you're a Or you not even Brandis. want to live here. You just want to come here for a holiday from America or something That's like that. That's a very good point, coming on a tourist visa. Uh, but th the number of people waiting to get in is 40,000, which means there is a huge demand for the airline tickets, which is why mm. when you have 11 seats on a Sri plane from Sri Lanka, the airline has to charge up the butt. Yeah, they have to... Th there's... It costs this much to fly the plane. Mm -hmm. How many pa divide that by how many passengers? If you've only got eleven, that's a big cash prize for the ticket. This is why you get stories of it costing ten thousand for Australians to come home. So much so that Alexander Downer has come out. So Alex, do you know Alexander? You would, know. yeah, yeah. So he's the longest-serving forest, 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 forest minister. Longest-serving forest in Tasmania. No. Longest-serving foreign minister of Australia, and he's uh, been the the envoy to the London and whatever. Mm. He's, he's over there now in London. He has come out and said, it's a bloody outrage. I'm going to read you just a few sentences out of this article. This is from yesterday by Latika Burke in the SMH. She's pretty good, Latika. Alexander Downer said, it was a bloody outrage that ordinary citizens had to pay $10,000 to return to the country, which is... For airfares plus $3,000 for the 14-day quarantine. Yeah. And he's calling for the quarantine costs to be scrapped because the government imposed this, this requirement in its pursuit of a zero-tolerance approach to the coronavirus. And the caps, yeah. Victoria passed legislation late last year that uh, ensured that the Victorian government were not going to incur any costs from hotel quarantine, that all of the costs were going to be incurred by the returning person needing quarantine and that they had uh, 
recourse if they didn't pay or something like that. So this was okay. this was passed through late last year just to make sure that everybody knows that the Victorian government has totally and completely washed its hands of any cost associated with hotel quarantine or returning. I would believe you, except I also read an article that the $3,000 we charge for quarantine is, is not the cost to the hotels. Oh, no, I agree. So I'm not talking about how much that the cost gets set at. Yeah. I'm just saying that the Victorian government have legally gone about insulating itself from any liability. Oh, liability. Mm. Well, who's paying the difference between the three grand and the eight grand it takes? Because they, they had to do works to these hotels, to the ventilation systems. Mm. Yeah. All right, so he goes on and uh, he talks about, there's a complaint to the UN Human Rights Committee in um, Geneva about these caps are illegal. Because yeah. Remember when ISIS was causing trouble in the Middle East and there was a refugee crisis, so to speak, right, right. and Europe was saying, we've got to take in all yeah. these refugees? The boats and everything, yeah. These are refugees also. These 40,000 people are refugees. To their own country, though. To their own country, own country. and their own country won't take them. You yeah. know when I remember seeing that? Is when the Jewish uh, people were fleeing... And the Jewish communities in those countries said, we'll look after them, we'll take them, we'll take them. And the countries were saying no. Really? Yeah. So when was the, this? So 40... this was Second World War. Oh. So the Jewish communities in surrounding countries saying, we'll take them, we'll look after them, we'll pay for it, all that other stuff. I remember stuff. that bit. But, what is but the actual countries surrounding Germany and the, and the Third Reich, as it was expanding, were saying, no, we're not taking you. Why? Just because they didn't like Jewish people. Oh. And they didn't want more Jews, Jewish people in their country. And so what that, what that guaranteed was, you know, 6 million Jews, 8 million Jews, you know, stuck however many Germany. stuck in Germany uh, waiting to be okay. uh, persecuted. Yeah, look, it's a very strange thing that we are blocking Australians from coming home. Just one more point, and I know that it's off topic a little bit, but imagine if some other disaster happened. Mm, volcano or whatever. Or yeah. a fire or yeah. some sort of war, you know. We would let them in, I think. Of course, but the point is but it's a, that we it's have COVID. an opportunity now to really get that number down, and we're not. No, but the flu is, excuse me, COVID is contagious. Yeah, but so is a lot of things. We're supposed to be a 21st century country and you're telling me we can't, we can't ramp up this rate at all? You're sounding like Alexander Downer. This is his, his answer, though. He, he, he gives a reason on why we're doing this. He says, the public don't care about Australians who are stranded overseas. It's not a priority for them. They're simply scared that they're all going to get the flu, excuse me, they're all going to get COVID and die. Mm. And That's 100%. And whose fault we is that, We are all though? scared we're going to get the flu and it's get the COVID government. and die. It's the government's fault that perpetrate that fear. Yeah. And, yeah, it just, it's a mess. It's such a mess. It's so illogically messy for a 21st century with the level of technology that we have that we can't do this simple thing. We're trying to. Hotel quarantine round three. But we need to update the caps. He goes on and, and look, the only, the only thing that matters is, uh, the only thing that matters to Australians is not protecting the vulnerable in society, but stopping anybody under any circumstances getting the flu, like getting COVID. So why, 
we, as I said in the last episode, we're all about biological survival. Now, we're not about any other form of survival. Right, those who wish to return home is now down to about 36,000, not 40,000 as I said. Nearly 5,000 of those are classified as vulnerable. Mm -hmm. The caps in airlines have resulted in huge fares and blah, blah, blah. And finally, Mr. Downer said, Australia has successfully disconnected from the rest of the world and the public likes it. They love that people are locked up and they say, well, what are you doing leaving the country in the first place? It's your fault. That's exactly what I hear. I don't talk to enough people these days, uh, but that's a disgusting attitude. That's a disgusting attitude. That we're just abandoning people. Yeah. I mean, Australia used to be a place other people who weren't even Australia, so Australian, could come to and find security and safety. And now the population or at least large volumes of the population are such that as long as we're okay, we don't care. It's very strong. I've seen it online in WA and Queensland. They say things even about other states, like stop complaining about your borders down there. You know, we should have done it like us. And I say, but these people couldn't get home. Well, they shouldn't have gone to London in the first place. What? What happens We've, to the, the person that was on a holiday in, uh, in uh, Koh Samui and now Thailand. has had to go to, say, Singapore and is stuck there? Yeah. You know, it's not like they're visiting. I mean, some are obviously visiting family and, you know, staying places. But I'm sure there are some that are just out of their mind, you know, not yeah. in a place where they're familiar with everything and having to wait. It it's, it's reminds me of keeping refugees in a in a camp. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it's not like Australia saying, hey, we're going to help you out. You know, go to this hotel. We've made an arrangement for you, blah, blah, blah. We've got a special deal for, yeah. like, Australian refugees. It's like, you're on your own, buddy. Well, let me put this to you. It doesn't actually matter that we're raging about this because politically it's about numbers and the vast majority of Australians are safe in 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 um, Western Australia or Queensland or New South Wales and living their lives and comfortable, who cares about the thirty six thousand overseas? It's never going to play. No politician's going to take this up. See, everybody was upset when what a thousand people in Victoria had COVID. You know mm. that was the rate. Mm. Now, one person gets COVID and they're not even sure if it's COVID or not, and then there's panic. This is just not. Everything about this just just blows my mind about how illogical everyone is being and behaving. It is extremely stressful. Well, next segment, seg segment two of three, we're going to talk about this illogical disconnect from reality. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors, which is us. Because <laughs> <laughs> we pay for everything. Do you know what I've always wanted to make? Cake. No. Animated promotional videos. But I don't know how. <laughs> I can't go on. I can't go on. Animated promotional videos, as taught by Matt on oh. Udemy. There'll be a link below. You can get it cheap and support discernible. Get into it. Matt. We were talking about illogical things. I've got an illogical thing for you. Just as a little bit of a hiatus from the COVID stuff for a moment. Did you know that the US Army 
has actually lowered its standards to make sure that women can get in. I heard about that. Now, I heard it's it, like two sit-ups in 10 minutes. Like, it's really low now. I'm not sure if I... I can do that. I don't know what the specifics are, but it's like, okay, so the, the standards were set so high that only men were really getting through. And those standards are there because of operational War. experience throughout history of what you need, what standard you need to perform at in order to be a successful soldier. But that's not equitable. We need a gender-neutral fitness test. Exactly, which is why them bringing it down so that they can meet some sort of quota idea of women in the military is so ridiculous. It is ridiculous. They are actually... So all the guys that would have got in will still get in. Mm. But your, your level of eliteness is coming down mm. because it's not like you get a gold star for passing the original standard mm. and you get a silver star for passing the new standard so you know the difference. All these soldiers are put in Pass. the same. Yeah. So it's not like a, a P-plater, like you yeah. see a blue P-plater in Victoria, you know they've just passed their exam. Blue? Yeah, it's a blue. And so then there's green. Did, oh, sorry. Oh, we have red and then green. Where every, no, we've got we'll blue. Free. So blue. once a Victorian passes their uh, driving instru instruction, they have to wear a blue P-plate for a little while. I can't and remember how long. One? And then it moves to a green one. So you blue. can tell someone who you need to stay away from. Blue. Yeah. I don't know if they still do it. Maybe I'm wrong. And you, you can get tell L's? me right in the comments. Yellow L's? Yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen L them yellow right. L's. Right, okay. I mean, sometimes you're driving and you and things are going slow, so you honk and you're like beep beep, and then you you realise that it's so slow because of an L, and you think, oh, I'm oh, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Anyway, the well, standards are coming down. No, but look, Holt's gender neutral fitness test, right? So that means that they're not going to do it anymore, as women struggle. Yeah, it sounds like US Army is considering scrapping its new gender neutral fitness test. Good. It's gone. Yeah, but it's still lowering the standard to no, get... No, they're scrapping it. Oh, they are scrapping well, this it. That's what that says. The US Army is considering scrapping. Oh, yeah, scrapping the test. new gender-neutral fitness test because women have been failing in much larger numbers than men. That's what I'm focusing on. Oh, so then now they are lowering the standards. They're lowering the standards. Because... They can't make the women do what the men are doing. So they're trying oh. to get the women to get in on their some own. other way. Oh. Well, look, it depends. If you're going to be a war warfare officer sitting at a computer, yeah. But if you're going to be a Navy SEAL, you don't get buds at a lower level. You do buds. I suspect that the Americans who lead the Navy SEALs are going to say, listen, the standard doesn't change. I have no qualms with any women in the group, but the standard doesn't change at the elite level. But that's not going to be politically correct. There'll be a lot of pressure. And this will drive into a point that I want to make later on in the show, that the West are systematically weakening their ability to engage in war with China. You know what's funny? China, you mentioned, are doing the exact opposite. They're rolling out this masculinity classes for their... For, for their I think it's not just for their armed forces. I think it's for their population, mm. which I don't. I don't really agree with. But 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 the point is, they are trying to masculinize, masculinize their their males yeah. to make them tougher, and we're doing the opposite. Now, not that everything has to do with the Third Reich, but when you aggressively are preparing for war, yeah. you want 
a um, an, an ideological male. male, like the Aryan ubermensch. You want toxic masculinity. You want toxic masculinity. <laughs> so the fact that the West has the concept of toxic masculinity trying to... I don't know how to describe it without offending people, but feminize men, right? There's got to be more to it than that, though, because I'm a feminist, fem, feminized man. Mm -hmm. The way I was raised, the way I, I live, what I wear, I, you know. Possibly the way that you define it for yourself, the self-defining of it, mm. might be different to the way it's politicized as. Well, because I don't feel very feminine in that sense. Like, no, you're a man. How I've dare just you assume my gender. <laughs> I've just offended about twenty five percent. Yeah, of the but population. I wonder if we can redefine what masculinity is, rather than having to. I really don't. I, I def, I'm, I'm an old sense. I'm an old style of um, not anarchist, but sort of heavy metal, uh, you know, punk metal sort of fan. Where it's like you can't define me. So then you shouldn't have a problem with, for example, my pink shoes. I don't have a problem with your pink shoes, but I want to do. reserve the right to tease you about them. That's fine. And I should. I can't wear pink shoes and leggings all the time, which I do, and tell you you can't tease me. That's that's not the rules. <laughs> no. If I want to wear pink shoes... But like what I'm, happened the other day when I made a comment about your forehead, calling it a five head because it's big. Yeah. If you tell me that that really offended you, I would profusely apologise because that wasn't my intent. It's not my right to not be offended. It's not my right to not be to offended. Not be offended. I can't say you can't offend me. Offence no, is no, here in my responsibility. I'm agreeing with you. I'm actually advocating for the responsibility of two people to come up with the rules of their own relationship. Well, I'm saying there's some societal meta rules, which is you are allowed to say my forehead yeah, is huge, even I agree. if it hurts. So and I'm allowed those... to say you're a dick for saying it. And the, meta, okay. and the meta rules need to be softer than the ones that we organise between ourselves. Oh. Whereas what's happening in the woke community is that the meta rules are like, a, a, for want of a better word, an iron dome. Iron Dome. That it's making it come down on everybody, dictating the rules of everybody's personal relationships. That is so true. That is the whole reason Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson got famous. Mm. They were trying to legalise pronouns. All right. There, I have my own. Look at this. This is uh, CO2 burning in US. So Biden administration puts out this graph of how many gigatons of CO2 are going to be produced by 2200 across five different scenarios for a... Real five is, a, is like they want to cut it all down. You know what's hilarious about this? They say, for example, we're going to burn 11,000 gigatons. We're going to burn 33,000 gigatons by this year, 14,000 gigatons of CO2. In the entire planet, the entire planet, the whole world, there is available to burn 7,113 gigatons. I know. They're predicting we're going to burn more trees than exist. So what does, what does this tell you, right? So currently... Currently, we're trying to reduce emissions. I think is a good thing. But at the same time, what are they doing? So there's not as much push as there used to be on planting trees. There should be. They are the biggest do you know, carbon sequestering devices in the world. Do you know who's trying to revamp that idea in the UK? Tony Abbott tried. Who's, who's doing it there? Nigel Farage. No way. They'll the reject right -wingy it. They'll reject guy. it. No, he's doing it. Okay. He's doing it. But the left will reject it because he's Nigel Farage. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And so the people that are actually thinking through the issue logically are not the people that are most loudly pushing it. 
Yeah, because this is not logical. We're going to burn four times as much CO2 as exists on the planet. Do you know uh, the, the greatest carbon capture technology in the world, most efficient? Trees. Yes. Trees. And it's nat completely natural. But not only trees, plant life. Yes. Algae, other things yes. like that. The specific types of trees absorb a lot more than others. And we're trying to come up with ways to Do you to know build. what wood is? Yeah, it's carbon. It's carbon. Deposited carbon, yeah. It needs carbon out of the atmosphere yeah. to build the tree. Yeah. Um, and there's, a, there's an efficiency, um, there's an efficiency uh, graph that goes along with it. So the bigger the tree, the actual less carbon it brings in. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, because it's not because it's gr finished growing. Fast. Yeah. So yeah. when it's growing quickly, it's bringing in more carbon per square centimeter yeah. than when it gets a lot bigger and very mature. Yeah. So a relatively young forest yeah. is good, and then you the idea is you harvest, uh, you it. harvest it, then you plant again. Plant again. That's the <clears throat> that's the best way to go through and to make it efficient in that sense. Yeah, and we should clarify, we're talking about carbon dioxide. So it sucks in CO2. Yeah. The C, the carbon, gets deposited and the O2 gets transpired. Because yeah. trees are good, good like that. Well, uh, this whole segment, disconnected from reality, uh, there's a really big point I wanted to make here about it in terms of COVID and how we're disconnected from what's going on in the world. Because right now, let's go with the scary stuff first. So Brazil strain. You know about this? Yeah, I saw a... I saw a, a, a news visual, a video, news video talking about it, and the one thing I noticed about it is there was zero. F there was now the one that I was looking at. There was zero facts. It was all emotional, and there was no reference or context to numbers. And so I'm suspicious about this creating this new sort of magic, uh, scary boogeyman Brazilian strain. Well, I'm going to okay. All right, let's. Let's go on that first. I actually have issues. I actually have not fears, but I'm concerned about the Brazil strands. But let's go with that first, the fear-mongering. So biological Fukushima is what they call it. Mm. This is from the Sydney Morning Herald. Which means absolutely nothing, but those words, when you hear them, they you think disaster, yeah. and that's why it's designed yeah. to be phrased like that, because it wants to make you scared right off the bat. That's so bad. And you know what the funny thing is? Fukushima deaths... There's only one recorded by government as a direct result of the thing, and that's contested by science, by their own internal scientists. And all the other deaths around Fukushima were a result of the earthquake and tsunami. Mm -hmm. So even that's a hilarious... It might even be a good case in point to compare with the governmental response to COVID, because when the Fukushima happened, governments around the world were panicking yeah. about lots of things. Yeah. Um, it might be an interesting contrast case yeah, for how the, gov governments respond. With, but they were trying to, I remember them trying to hose down fear in the population and the news media outlets were trying to pump it up. They were calling up. it Chernobyl. Yeah, but there was a fundamental difference between Fukushima and Chernobyl. Of course. Chernobyl didn't release the control rods. Yeah. yeah. Fukushima did. Yeah. So the reaction was stopping and cooling down. It just took longer than they wanted to. Chernobyl was a hundred times Meltdown. worse. Yes, but here we have groups like, you know, t uh, greenie groups and, and saying, oh, the fish are poisoned. We have uh, media trying to push up Fukushima's terrible. And the government keeps on coming out and saying, no, that's misinformation. The fish are fine. No, the people are fine. No, nobody. The government is tamping down fear. Yeah. And for in COVID, Fukushima. For Fukushima. The, in, in every other COVID measure, the because governments are ramping on. up fear. Because they've moved on. Who? The governments. 
No, but hang on. They're doing a different thing. They used, yeah, so used to tamp down. Fukushima food. was good for this issue. It, they, they used it for environmental pressure. And Who, anti- the government? Yeah, the no, government. No, they didn't. The, the government has been... Not the government of Japan. The world, the Australian government yeah. and, the, and the other... Not government. News and news media and... No, I know. Sorry, I'm mixing my my crazy people groups. Yeah, look, the point is, in a, as I said in a few episodes, I said it with an interview recently, in a real pandemic, governments struggle to keep their population's fear under control. Yes. And they work to yes. bring fear right. down. Right. And yet in this pandemic, they are pushing up fear, as we've documented on this show in the UK, for example. Now, this is... Biological Fukushima doesn't come from the government. It comes from uh, the people over there, the media, and I think that quote is from one of the scientists there, saying that it's going to take over the whole world. Now, let me say something about this Brazil thing. Did you know they are angry at the president of Brazil who is saying no mask mandate and no lockdowns and he's a right-wing guy, ex-army guy, uh, and they're very angry at him and and so on, and they're blaming it on this outbreaks of new strains on his lack of lockdowns and so mm. on. So that's the logic, right? Mm. So this, because I'm setting this up as a, as a way to compare, the logic is if you don't lock down and you don't do masks, you end up with Brazil. And that's what's happening in Brazil. Now, but you don't end up with uh, Sweden. No. How dare you? Yeah, I know. How dare that's you? not scary. No. All right, let's move on to Florida. So I looked up some more stats. This is Florida, the little phallus-shaped thing in the bottom right of the U.S., this is their cases over time, back to the beginning, March 2020, up till today, two waves, pandemics come in three waves, just so you know, always has. Notice uh, how they're talking about fourth waves now? Because, we haven't the third yet. Because people are like, oh, they've, they've turned it into like a thing. There's a wave and it could be going forever. There, I, I should also mention about Brazil. I am concerned about some of the variants coming out of Brazil because mm. the people I've been talking to uh, and what I've been reading in The Lancet them, it is normal for viruses to mutate oh, and change over time. Flu viruses and coronaviruses mutate All the time. as part of their life cycle. Absolutely, absolutely. And if there are some out there that are more deadly or whatever, more infectious, then okay, I can be But also, concerned. theoretically, some of the mutations actually make it less effective. Normally, that's what happens. Viruses burn themselves out by mm. mutating worse and worse and worse. Yeah. But notice, so where's the evidence that there's a new strain. So if you go back and watch the movie Outbreak, I've, I've you watched, can see I've it clearly. Evidence. There's a little J thing, and then there's a little other thing that looks different. And so in the movie, they show you, yes, see, it's different. Look, Whereas, I, I have seen it in The Lancet. Okay. So, so high, The Lancet, you know The Lancet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I believe that there's some Oh, I believe strength. it too. I believe it too. Yeah. But so you remember when you people were saying, like, uh, we haven't isolated it? Yeah. yeah we have it. isolated it. Have we? I don't know. In the sense that you can see it. Oh, the argument is there is it's not isolated outside of a host organism. And anyway, I don't want well, to get into that. Well, that might be that. true. But that's for, for vaccine purposes, not for the sake of like looking at whether something's variation. Well, their argument is that the actual virus, SARS-CoV-2, hasn't been isolated in a lab independently. And I don't know enough about that to go into it. I'll try and get an expert on to talk about that. Right. But anyway... Uh, so that's Brazil, right? The logic is what I told you. Now, here's Florida. Florida hasn't done the things, hasn't done the done masking and the lockdowns, yeah. right? And here's their results, all right? They have a population of 20 million and they have total deaths reported 2 million. Uh, 33,000. 33, 30, 34,000 and 2 million cases, okay? And you can see the two waves. 
You can see the death rates. Now let's have a look at uh, a good comparison to Florida is California. California has double the population, but it's the same sunny type of coastal yeah, yeah. community, but the opposite response to coronavirus. Uh -huh. Massive lockdowns, mask mandates, massive social pressure, crazy stuff going on over there. Let's look at their results. So with double the population, you would expect to be the, like per capita. Well, per capita, they have literally 3.6, uh, sorry, 60,000 deaths versus 33. So they have per capita roughly the same yeah. results. Uh, they have, with cases, slightly under double. So they have slightly better number of cases than um, Florida, but deaths are roughly the same. But the difference between their economy and their civil rights abuses and Florida's are staggering, and they have roughly the same results. Don't let the graphs fool you in terms mm, of being scary. That's the six, amplitude. Yeah, the y-axis is 60,000 to that dotted line, and over there it's only to 15,000 to that dotted line. Mm. So the actual 15 is there. So that graph sits under here, which means what it means is all of the cases in Florida have been spread yep. out over time. Whereas in um, California, they've peaked heavily around Christmas. So you see this first spike, mm. it approximates the that, first spike yeah, there, yeah. but this second spike is much lower yes. proportionally yes. than the second spike for yes. California. Well, 15, 15. So they've had spike one there, spike two there. Whereas California's had nothing initially and then a bang spike later on. I think that's because they had all of their without masks and whatever, yeah. maybe they had... So when you wear masks, you actually seem to, if we're just looking at these two graphs, mind you, yeah. so do two data points when there's a lot of possible data points to look at. Yeah. But look, like they've flattened the curve there, so to yeah. speak. And they look like has. they've flattened. So the curve is steep and then down. No, but if you shrink that to the normal... 15, so 000. is it over the same time period? Yes, this is identical. Feb uh, twenty to. So you've got about a month and. Uh, so you got about mm, three and a bit months. Yeah, July to September there. Yeah, yeah. So okay, fair he, enough. But here's the interesting thing: if you look at deaths and hospita hospitalizations, Florida hospitalizations peaked in the first wave. Yeah. And deaths are the same in both waves, but in California. They delayed hospitalization to the second wave and mm -hmm. deaths to the second wave. So that the normal life cycle of a virus throughout human history is like Florida. Yeah, it yeah. comes, it burns off, some old people die. That sounds callous, but you know what I'm saying? More likely to die, sick and old people. That's what happens. And then the second wave is smaller. Hospitalizations mm -hmm. and deaths are smaller, even though cases are bigger, second wave. Mm. That's normal because now the cases are hitting people like me, healthy and young. Whereas in California, look at all these dead people. This is, this is disastrous. Can I bring up a variability, a variable that nobody talks about? Mm. And that's, I call it the smoker's dilemma mm. or the, the, the quitter's dilemma. Mm. So the first time you try and quit smoking, you usually do a great job. The second, if you fail, the second time you try and quit smoking, you usually do a much half job. Oh. So that, um, so much so that, there's these tablets that you can take mm. and they're about 30 to 40% effective at helping people to quit smoking. Mm. But once you have it and it doesn't work, you don't get more oh. because the whole effect is predicated on the fact that you're trying to quit. Oh, okay. And so um, when you're scared, the first 
lockdown in Victoria, at least, or anywhere. It yeah. could be Canada, it could be UK, wherever. The first time that you come into a lockdown, everybody was scared. In Victoria, the streets were empty. There were branches on the streets. It looked very post-apocalyptic and that zombies were going to come out at any moment. People wore their mask properly and they clung to it with dear life. The second lockdown in Victoria, nobody stayed home for the first few days. There were cars everywhere. And the way that people were wearing their mask was down to here or there. So the... So what is not being said... And lockdown three was even worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas people are just totally complacent about whether the mask is, mm. is effectively on or not. Mm. And so what people aren't talking about is the fact that the, the fatigue of the population... Yeah, so they point, still might point. be scared, but the fact that they're every day they're wearing a mask and it's abrasive and it's constrictive and it's horrible, they find ways to get comfortable mm. with it on mm. and destroy its effectiveness. Yep. So wearing masks possibly is completely redundant now. Well, the problem is we're doing it in... We're, our curve in Australia is being completely... We've completely squashed it. Cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. And so we are setting ourselves up for a, a California result. Deaths, hospitalizations, and cases. I think we're setting ourselves up for either disaster, if disaster that. is really going to happen, mm. or we're setting ourselves up to actually see... Australia wasn't that bad. Australia is a very uniquely placed country in the world when you think about Similar it. Similar to Florida, though. But Florida has land borders to the rest of the nation who have land borders to the yeah, north Yeah, but now you're just talking about keeping the virus out. No, but no, no, no. What I'm, what I'm talking about is you, have, you can't get to Australia with your legs. Yeah, yeah. You have to go on a plane yeah. or you have to go on a boat. That makes it... It should be... Going back to the first section of the show, it should be easier in Australia than the majority of the rest of the world to quarantine incomers. Right. It should be easier. Right. Yet, um, like our cases are low, we should take more risks with bringing people in. Absolutely. Sorry, I know we're going over old ground from the first yeah. session, yeah. But, but basically look at other countries are having problems for lots of various reasons. And Brazil is having problems. It keeps getting said that it's a COVID problem, but there's more data that's not being reported on and looked at. And one of those examples is how people wear masks. Okay. You know? And so Brazil, I'm suggesting, is... Uh, a pseudo-socialist country with yes, a high population yes, of yes. religious Catholics. Yes. And so you're going to have this disconnect between the government and the people. Yeah. And my suspicion is um, there's a socialist push in Brazil and they're using COVID in the same way that I think Dan Andrews is using COVID to push through more socialism at the legislative level. level. Okay. Well, maybe. Maybe they are. But that's opportunism. Uh, but there are a, dis a, a reality disconnect, though, that might bring those efforts undone, which is, hang on, how come they had roughly the same results? In fact, I'd say Florida's is slightly better. Yeah. But anyway, why in terms of the way they've spread everything over time? You're talking about keeping the health system safe by keeping under capacity limits? Then you want the Florida result. You don't yeah. want that. 
that's disastrous. And you could probably say that the, the climate and the weather in Florida and California could be similar, are. but they are, are pretty similar. Very sunny. Yeah, yeah. And lifestyles as well. All right. Now, that is interesting because completely different things. It's As I said, in Brazil, they're blaming lack of lockdowns and lack of masks. Well, clearly that's not the case here. Now, it gets, gets further. Texas has come out uh, now, what are they, into three or four weeks now? And they've said, we are not doing any, any, uh, it's done. Oh, yeah, we're done. done. We're done. We're, we're done. finished. We're going to be like Florida. No more masks, no more lockdowns, yep. nothing. The gov Governor Abbott, Greg, Greg Abbott, whatever his name is, has said, no more. When he said that, Biden came out and said it's it's dereliction, it's yeah. it's um, Neanderthal type tactics. Fauci, same thing. Anthony Fauci is the their their chief health officer yeah. of the whole, but the he's federal held, one. But he's held up as a god over there. Well, I heard. They I thought him. he'd been he'd been sort of dethroned a little. Only from alternative media like this, where we oh, actually okay, investigate. Enough. Anyway, so over there, he's he's saying it was terrible. Now Texas has been doing it for what four weeks, whatever. Their cases continue to plummet. Yeah. So they totally. all their numbers, deaths, hospitalizations, yep. cases going down, despite doing a Florida, removing all COVID measures. Mm. So somebody went and asked um, Anthony Fauci, hey, please explain this. In Texas, in that full ballpark in Arlington yesterday, there was a lot of concern last month when Texas effectively opened up, dropped all those restrictions and said it's back to life. And if you go to Texas, as you know, it looks like 2019. The restaurants and the bars are full and open. The ballparks are full. And yet we've seen cases and hospitalizations since then continue to tick downward. So what do you make of that as all of us look around and sort of try to consider how safe it is to get back to normal life? Yeah, you know, it's it can be confusing because you may see a lag and a delay because often you have to wait a few weeks before you see the effect of what you're doing right now. You know, there, there are a lot of things that go into that. I mean, when you say that they've they've had a lot of uh, activity on the outside, like ball games, I'm not really quite sure. It could be they're doing things outdoors. You know, it's very difficult to just one-on-one -on -one compare that. You just have to see in the long range. I hope they continue to tick down. If they do, that would be great. But there's always the concern when you pull back on methods, particularly things like indoor dining and bars that are crowded, you can see a delay and then all of a sudden tick right back up. We've been fooled before. Okay, so Josh, here Anthony Fauci is said, look, I don't know. I'm confused. Do you know what? I'm actually in this episode and I'm wondering how it's going to end. The episode? Yeah, like this episode of the People's do. Project. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm like... Oh, it's a good you know, one. It's a good one. But I wanted to bring up the idea, like, and I know you were going to get to a point, but I just want to bring this eventually, up really quickly. Eventually. Scientifically, it's actually extremely good that a whole state in America has decided to go full normal. As a test. As a test. So scientifically speaking, people who are scientifically minded should be happy about that and leave them alone. But continue. Unless, well, okay. Except for the moral question, if they start killing everyone in Texas, which they haven't, the reverse is no, happened. they right. haven't. That's but the it's fear. not like they're doing this to hurt people. No, scientifically speaking, they're making a play based on an alternative interpretation of the data. Now we have Florida and Texas who have done it, and both are having great results, and that's a problem because then the Brazil narrative is starting to fall apart. 
And right. the UK narrative. And the UK, well, yeah, that's that's a big one to dismantle. But anyway, let's first go to Fauci. Fauci says, I don't know, because he's faced with the facts of, look, you were wrong. Texas lifted all restrictions. They're doing better and better and better. I, You know what? I like what Fauci is saying. So help me understand. This is the first time we've seen him being a lot more scientific. As in, yeah. let's look at the data and say it doesn't match our narrative. Therefore, I can't explain it. I'm not sure. We need to do more investigation. That's, I that's hope his he's position. being honest. I don't think he is because every other time he jumps to zealotry. So yeah. when they say, why do we have to wear two masks? Oh, same as Dan Andrews. Why do we have to wear a mask? It has some benefit. In America, right? There's this thing of when you're in public office, you're one person. But when you're out of that public office and you're a private citizen, you're another person. A good example is a guy called uh, the Federal Reserve Chairman Greenspan. So when he was Federal Reserve Chairman and he was making decisions about money, he was very uh, dovish, you know, QE, all that sort of stuff. But when he was a private citizen, he said, yeah, like, I don't think it's it's really... Effective. Yeah. So Fauci, how much of Fauci and what he says is because of his position and the political pressure that is on you? Maybe. And how much is he actually thinking like a scientist? I mean, he's medically trained and he's had experience being a medical person. Yeah. So he should, he should think like a scientist. But he, it, when he responds to this, he is by saying, we don't know, we need to figure it out. But... And other times when they want to push an agenda through, like wear your three masks or lockdown, yeah, exactly. he says, stop questioning. He says, yeah. no, we must, we're sure, we're sure, we're sure, do it, do it, I don't care. He was the one that said masks weren't effective yeah. and then backflip. It gets worse because you can back, that's what science is. You can backflip, but when he backflipped, they asked him why he backflipped. And he doesn't and even answer. He did. Oh, what did he say? What his answer was? What was it? We didn't want there to be a rush on PPE for first responders. Oh, what did I? Yeah. I was going to say the C yeah, word again. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Not only did he admit to deceiving the people, right? Mm. He he sacrificed his scientific values f- to push a narrative. So now when he says we must lock down whatever California, and that people was, was present, that under Trump? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. People, when he says we must lock down California, if someone challenges him, says no, what about Florida? They're doing well. Fauci will not use this scientific rationale and say, mm. okay, let's look at that. He'll say, no, 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 we must, and he'll close-minded, the opposite. Now, this is this is a problem. They jump to zealotry when it suits their political positioning, and when it doesn't, they go, oh, well, we need to be all scientific and rational and, and figure out what this is. Same thing happened in Australia. Mm. This week, an 82-year-old woman died after, hours after taking the AstraZeneca vaccine. The The... The blood clotting connection is well established now with it in, in rare cases with AstraZeneca vaccine, and they even know the mechanism by which it's caused. Mm. So Greg Hunt comes out and, uh, and he's saying it's all safe, and Paul Kelly gets wheeled out. Paul Kelly is our, Professor Paul Kelly is our Australian Chief, Health of, Chief Medical Officer, Chief, mm-hmm. the, the boss of the, the Fauci of Australia. Mm-hmm. He comes out and he says there's no causal link between the um, 82 year old woman who died in a Pfizer vaccine. Um, now, I want to point, I know this is the Pfizer vaccine and, and the other lady who died was AstraZeneca, AstraZeneca vaccine, but the point is what he said about vaccines in this. I want to read you a quote. He says, sadly, more than 1,000 people pass in aged care every week. Yeah. Did we hear this 
I used to work in aged care. Yeah. How come we didn't hear this kind of rhetoric half a year ago? When it was one death, yeah. it was too many deaths. I know. Because, because a, a statistic taken out of its context is just can be turned into a club to beat people over the head with. It means nothing by itself. Well, this guy and others have been using the same tactic. Yeah. Back, Back six flipping, months ago. Depending on what they want to do. Exact same as Fauci. Mm. Six months ago, they said, no, how dare you kill grandma? Mm. We value every Australian. Okay, great. We value every Australian. Not anymore. We don't. Because now it's fighting their vaccine narrative. So, sadly, more than 1,000 pass in age every week. Paul Kelly goes on. It is inevitable that this will include some people who have been recently vaccinated. And you know what, Professor Paul Kelly? You are correct. One, it is rare, yes. Two, it is inevitable that some people who die will have just been vaccinated and maybe it's not causal. And three, yes, sadly, people pass, people die in aged care every week. Yes, you're correct. But where the hell was this mm. facts and rationality a year ago? Yep. Hey, this is how it should have sound. Hey, I know COVID's rampaging through us in August 2020 here in Australia. However, sadly, more than 1,000 people pass in aged care every week. And so we can't shut down the lives of 20 million people or, for or, coronavirus. Yes, coronavirus is killing people. But in comparison, normal flu kills this amount of people, and these are the age breakdowns. And the flu's disappeared. So, so let's look at what the real problem is. That's what we should have been doing the whole time, looking at trying to get to the real problem. But all this politicising and this posturing and, I'm going to say it, worldview wars are causing us, the population, to be victims of not just misinformation and not just disinformation, but agendas of control. Mm -hmm. And it really bugs me because I want people to be smarter. So I watch... Sir, certain videos where the video done, say, six months ago will claim that news articles are completely false because they're talking about people dying of COVID, but then say news articles are completely true when they say people die of vaccines. Yeah, exactly. Whereas my research that I've done, it's just flawed, it's not comprehensive, but I've, I've, I've gone and I've tried to do it. What I can tell assuming the information that I've got is truthful and I did my best to find truthful information or at least reliable information, 1%, 1% or less is bad side effects. Because anytime you break the skin, you're going to run the risk of things like cellulitis and other things like that. They're not noteworthy. Yeah, what know. is noteworthy is the blood clots. Yeah. Okay. And as far as I can tell, it is rare. It's well under it's 1%. Rare. Yeah. Which is... You know, when you're vaccinating millions and millions and millions of people, 1% is kind of, you know, you can notice it. It's high, Yeah, it's higher than you want. But you have to be intellectually honest. If you're going to say this kind of stuff, hey, uh, there are going to be some complications or, or coincidences with old people dying after the vaccine, we're going to have to live with it. You should also have been saying that about COVID. Yeah, I agree. Be consistent. Remember when Christian, uh, what's his name? the one that was that used to be the Attorney General. Porter. Christian Porter was in his press conference and he was defending himself yeah. again. He mentioned that, because he mentioned as a sidebar, we're going through the worst crisis in Australia's history. And I assume he was talking about COVID. Sure. It was just like an off-the-cuff 
sort of line, yeah. which shows that he actually believes that's true. Yeah. So I get the feeling that the that the that the people making decisions actually believe that COVID is the worst crisis that we've gone through Ever. because of itself, the the disease. Yeah. Whereas when you look at the disease, it's actually in comparison, not that bad. A little bit worse than the flu. But if you look at how governments have dealt with it, they've exponentially um, made the living conditions and the um, quality of life of everyday citizens much, much, much worse. And it's brought out crime. Yep. It's brought out gang violence. It's brought out... They're minor. Think about domestic violence, internal stuff. Domestic, I was getting there, Suicide, yeah. depression, they're much bigger than... And so when I look at the crisis, I see a government-made crisis that is a social crisis, not a medical crisis. We have refugees wanting to return home yeah. and we're saying no. Yeah, I can't believe we, we had that realisation on air that we've created refugees. Right, I'm going to finish turning his quote around, the last part where he says that um, it is inevitable, as the head of the TGA has noted, that this will include some people who have been recently vaccinated. He's talking about some people die. Hmm. He should have been saying last year, uh, it is inevitable, as the TGA has noted, that people will, people will die of COVID and, and some old people will have had COVID. Like it's, it may be coincidental that someone was old and they mm. died in a nursing home and a thousand people passed every week and they may have had COVID, but it, it wasn't. It was COVID is a big, scary, deadly disease. Mm -hmm. And the point of this whole little thing we've done here about Brazil, USA, and here in Australia is a disconnect from reality. We are forgetting what is real. And you know what happens? If you go down the end of this path, you end up with absolute aberrations, atrocities like this. Anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists have been slammed for refusing to have the coronavirus vaccine when it becomes available in Australia. While the Prime Minister's accepted it will be hard to make it mandatory, there are increasing calls for there to be consequences to those, for those who refuse the jab. The government has warned it won't rule out strict measures for those who do not comply. It's a hot topic this morning. To discuss it, I'm joined by Seven News political editor Mark Riley and journalist Louise Roberts. Morning to both of you, Mark, do you think the federal government will follow through on these threats? Uh, good morning, Nat. Good morning, Louise. I think it probably will. I mean, Scott Morrison yesterday in a couple of interviews said, don't forget I'm the Minister of No Jab, No Play. And that mm. requirement was brought in by a lot of the states um, in, uh, in childcare centres and, uh, and in schools. So uh, there, there are things the government can do legally. There's a collision here between the rights of the individual and the rights of the community, but the law, the law has um, deferred in, in favour of the community in some celebrated cases. So the government can do something. Maybe, you know, no jab, no job keeper, no jab, no job seeker. Would that work? Mm. Who knows? Mm. But look, the bigger problem here, though, Nat, is a, a question of moral and intellectual equivalence. This is what the anti-vaxxers want. They want a debate where their Fruit Loop ideas are given the same elevation as um, as science and we shouldn't give them that. Yeah. Uh, are they being yeah. an Australian, Louise? Did it help yesterday uh, with the messaging that, um, you know, um, Scott Morrison, you know, did this massive media campaign and then the company mm. that he was talking about came out and sort of had to clarify a few things and say uh, it was actually a letter of intent it wasn't actually a deal. 
Look, I think the vaccine will go ahead. It's what we've, you know, give or take some of the fine print that obviously has to be ironed out at this point. But um, it's what we've all been waiting for. I mean, this whole pandemic has been marked by a real feeling of helplessness that um, we need a vaccine in order to get on with our lives, um, but also a sense of we're all in this together. That's why we all need to have this vaccine, because uh, in order to get herd immunity, 95% of us need to have it, unless you have a legitimate medical reason not to have the vaccine. And to my mind, that's the only reason why you should refuse it. Yeah. Okay. The other idea that's really important here is the responsibility on big media companies. By that, I mean those big media companies who say they aren't big media companies, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, yeah. Instagram and all these social media platforms. When all these nutcase theories are being, uh, being propagated on their platforms, they should bring, pull them down. Mm. If they can pull down tweets from the President of the United States, they can pull down this, this gump and they should. Well, the because amount of things that go around Facebook he, every day and you, right. can fi you can hear it come out at every yeah. barbecue, yeah. at every dinner party, it's sprouted. Yes. I know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. repeated right back to you. minded people can be worried about these things and people who you know, maybe haven't read deeply into it can yeah. be persuaded by it. So, I mean, there's a real responsibility for this sort of stuff. You know, I read stuff last night about, you know, vaccines being a front for injecting silicon chips into people's bodies so yeah. governments can trace yeah. them. I mean, really, this sort of stuff should not be allowed to be put onto social yeah. media because it does persuade no, people, own. unfortunately. Yeah. Some quotes from that, Josh. Those who do not comply. Oh, my God. Are they being un-Australian? All these nutcase theories, Fruit Loop ideas are being propagated. If they can pull down the President of the United States, they can pull this down and they should. This sort of stuff should not be allowed to be put onto social media because it does persuade people. All right. Now, every single audience member, I want you to go and you have a look at the Secular Humanist Worldview video I did and the and the Marxist worldview video it did, because here it is in full colour on Channel 7. Morality is when convenient. So because they don't like what they're talking about, pull down the idea. Don't let people talk over a barbecue about what they want to talk about. Conflating anti-vaxxers with conspiracy theories theorists, there are differences that make a difference here. Just because someone doesn't want to take a vaccine, it doesn't mean they're an anti-vaxxer. It doesn't mean they're a conspiracy theorist. It means that they are making a choice of personal freedom, which in a free country you're allowed to do. You're supposed, it's supposed to be protected. But these media types are using words like Fruit Loop ideas, are using words like um, rip it down. You know, these, these emotional terms basically to stop people thinking for themselves. And that's a very interesting Marxist idea where you take two people and then you insert a Gestapo member in between those two people to judge how they're communicating with each other. So they, media, want them to be the topic setter at the barbecue, not what you want, not what the internet says, or people investigating things on their own. It's important to talk through ideas, right? Not to them. Not to them, no. 
What we're doing right now is the op is very the angry opposite of what they want. And we're doing it over two hours. They would be so angry that we're going deep. They said people who don't read into things, we're reading into things. And we we are they would be look, he said Moral equivalency, where the anti-vaxxers can have their arguments um, talked about instead of listening to the science. Mm. They are the ones, as you say, dumbing it all down to a basic political line. They're the ones not reading in. Because what was there? There were three people there. It gives you the illusion of multiple opinions. Mm -hmm. There was the presenter. Mm-hmm. There was the media correspondence, and um, who was the the lady that was there? I don't know who the lady was. Basically, all of them agreed. Yeah, you, you could see them at one point going, mm-hmm. "Yeah, <laughs> all three heads yeah. in the same room." And people critique us for having similar views on the one show. Yeah. At least we disagree with each other. Yeah, because we're normal human beings. How Where dare is they? she? Natalie Barr says, "At a barbecue, I can hear it coming out." People are talking. The scary snakes coming out of the woodwork. They're only allowed to talk freely when they're talking about it in these parameters. You're only allowed to have the right opinions. This is why we can't stop doing the People's Project, because SHIT like that exists. My point of bringing that up was that at the end of this big disconnect from reality... These people end up stuck in these kind of worldviews, yes, but they they are so disconnected from any sense of reality that they can say crazy stuff like we've just been quoted. And at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is whether it's the Brazil strain, which, yes, there may be some dodgy strains, whether it's people dying from COVID, whether it's people dying after the blood clots from the AstraZeneca vaccine, whether it's a lady who died after the Pfizer vaccine, let's keep the same intellectual consistency throughout, which is old people die all the time. When I'm old, I will be that person who's Not close to death Not even old people door. die. Young people die too sometimes. Young people die even without comorbidities. People die. And the fact that our all-cause death rate is roughly the same across the world, a little bit higher, granted. However, we've lost a lot of flu deaths and so on. Why are we going from one narrative, which is one death is too many, not now, not ever, not in my state? That's how Dan Andrews does all of this. Exactly. Words, to words when someone that. dies of the, the COVID vaccine, yes. it's okay. Because some people die from vaccines sometimes. Because here's, and, and some people in the audience might run the risk of misunderstanding what we're saying. What we're advocating for is the truth to get as close to the truth as we can. What we're seeing in the world, in media, is emotional manipulation, not reporting and not news. And so when it's them that create this, because you're seeing two people who want to get some sort of clarity and want to get to some understanding of, of or closer to the truth that we've come together on this show to be able to do it in front of other people so that you guys can have the benefit of that conversation and the research that we do. I mean, we're not professionals. No. But we we have one thing in our favour, and that's that we don't care what the outcome is. Mm. We want to know what the truth is. Seriously, take a vaccine. I don't care. Don't take it. Whatever. I don't care. I am absolutely for everyone making their own choice. Fine. Uh, You know what else has happened? Mm? The Prime Minister has come out and said, based on health advice, anyone under 50 should not get the AstraZeneca vaccine. Why is that? Blood clots. 
because they run the risk of pneumo embolisms or brain embolisms or yeah yeah anyway so that's the official government health advice now if you're under 50 don't get AstraZeneca don't... get Pfizer instead here's the problem people on Twitter are melting down about it saying well the Provax Whoa, 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 follow the science. There's hardly any blood clots. There are yeah. more blood clots from the pill, the contraceptive pill. How can you not be following the science, ScoMo? Well, bloody well, welcome. Welcome. Where have you been for 12 months? They don't follow the science. It's a political line that ScoMo is having to run right now because he can't afford any more AstraZeneca deaths. But the truth is there are some and they are rare and there are blood clot complications. I've worked in, I had my own medical clinic. This happens all the time, okay? There are complications. There are side effects. We should have said that before. We should be saying it now, and we should be saying it in the future. And we should stop people from stopping other people from saying it. Absolutely. But this is the point now. The other side is turning on ScoMo and saying you're being political. He yeah. is. You he know always why? has been. You know why? Because ScoMo is a conservative, right, supposedly. <laughs> right? He's also a Christian, supposedly. Uh. Right? So why is he using... Um, relative morality so that he'll use left tactics when it's convenient. He's a politician before he is those other things, in my opinion. And that inconsistency is what the big problem is in Australia, if not the rest of the Western world, is that people are bowing down to, granted, it's enormous pressure, but people who should know better are bowing down to pressure and changing up the way they operate. There's nothing worse to get a um, a grasp of the effects of what you're doing. There's nothing worse than changing up the way you operate. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to be scientific, and we need to be scientific if we want to get to any sort of truth, we need to pick a, a mode of operating and we need to run with it through the through to the end. The only reason why you would want to change halfway is if you're absolutely just losing. You know what I mean? But we're changing every three to six months. Oh, probably a bit less, it seems. I mean, like... Four to six weeks. We were talking. We had a little break so that we could have a bit of a drink. But not an alcoholic drink. <laughs> um, we were talking about... Um, the fact that this this third round of uh, hotel quarantine in Victoria has not taken on the recommendations of the inquiry. Yeah, I know. It's the same as round one and two, roughly. I mean, they, they've got better standards and whatever, but it's roughly the same. Still in the CBD, still doing the same thing. Okay, look, that was probably the most important segment we've ever done on the People's Project, pointing out a whole bunch of stuff. Hope you enjoyed it. Let's uh, take a breath and move on. Hello, I'm Damien Curry from The Other Side Australia. Are you finding it hard to keep up with the craziness of politics and media goings on in Australia and the world? Well, in just one hour a week or less, we'll bring you a summary of everything you need to know without the woke identity politics overlay. Don't you need to pull your head in? We'll call out the BS of the mainstream media so you can see through the left-wing spin. And we'll lay a different spin on things. A liberal, centre-right, individual responsibility, freedom-loving, free markets and free people perspective spin. Without lying to you that we are somehow all neutral. You need to be quiet. So, if you want to get the other side of the story, join me every week here on the Discernible platform for The Other Side Australia. The show that talks back to the endless complaining and jabbering of the Aussie elite. 
Well, I hope you're enjoying the show. It's a big show for the last season finale, our three big topics. I put a lot of effort into this show. Notice I have a haircut. I'm, you know, shaped it. I'm wearing some new clothes. Well, not new, kind of new for me. I am so tired of talking about China, and yet Dan Andrews, he just keeps on making me talk about it. Look, seriously, China is... I mean, imagine in the Cold War, people would have got sick of talking about Russia. Russia. Whether we like it or not, we can't become complacent at what China's doing. Do you know why else I'm talking about it? I'm not really... It's not that I'm afraid. I'm not afraid of China. What, what I'm bringing up is because the mainstream media don't. Yeah. That's what we do on the People's Project. We'll tell you... Anyway, you decide whether you like China or not, but this is what's going on. Yet another secret agreement with China comes out this week. This is from The Age yesterday or the day before. Um, I can't believe I'm saying it again. Another one? Yeah. 18 months before the Belt and Road Initiative was signed, Memorandum of Understanding, which you refused to release, this deal was signed. This deal is a PPP, a public-private partnership. Mm -hmm. It is a Memorandum of Understanding between the CCP and Australia, well, Victoria, uh, that we will work on creating more PPPs. And the interesting thing is, Dan Andrews fought tooth and nail to prevent this from coming out. Mm. Because he knows he's doing dodgy. So when I say secret, that's what I mean. I, secret, I, don't, I don't mean I'm trying to get clicks. I mean, he made it a secret. Victoria is a rogue state in terms of Australia. It seems that way. Now, the interesting thing is the foreign interference bill that was federal legislation that was passed last year. Victoria has been compelled by the federal government to release this deal under the new legislation and Victoria must now prove, so it's defaulting to it's, it's over unless Victoria must now prove why, why it is in, not Victoria's interest, Australia's interests. Otherwise, it will be torn up. It will be invalid. I'm actually surprised. See, the states can now engage in what is effectively international politics. They shouldn't be. No, they shouldn't be able to. Especially, it, and this would happen if it's Gladys going against Prime Minister Albanese, I would be slamming Gladys. Mm. Shut up. Albanese's our Prime Minister. That's the whole reason you have a federal government. Yep. Well, again, it's such a Marxist worldview, they just do what... All right, let me tell you about China, all right? I have some facts. There's a reason why... We're talking about public-private partnerships. There's a reason why I come from world of business. There's a reason why businesses want to get into China. Middle class. You know how big it is? It's big. Four, two estimates I'm going to give you. First one is 400 million middle class. Mm. That's a lot of money to spend on whatever your product is. PwC has a, has a lower estimation. They say it's 109 million people in China are middle class and have an Annual income between 100,000 Australian to 1 million Australian. Yeah. So wealthier I'd, than a lot of Australians. I'd probably choose the 400 million number because I would define, I'd be a bit Broader more than 100 grand. Yeah. Look, even though, even 109 million by PwC, that's a bloody huge amount number of. Are they, when it talks about money, are they talking about US? No, AUD. So 100K oh, Australian, Australian okay. to 1 million. Yep, sure. I converted it from US. 100K to 1 million Aussie. 109 million people, at least, probably four times as much, ready to, to buy your stuff. So businesses clamour to get into China. 
uh, as they should. That's what they do. But the problem is then they become subservient to China and their political wishes because mm. China has a very interesting PPP setup over there where corporations aren't really separate from government. They do what the government says. Let's talk about the NBA. NBA is a private organization in the US. They have N you know, National Basketball... What are they called? National Basketball Association. Association, yeah. So huge in the US and hundreds of millions of dollars. They have been rolling over to China uh, in terms of retracting pro-freedom, pro-Hong Kong statements. In fact, in the USA, they've been banning signs in-game. So imagine this. You're in the United States of America, the mm. home of the free, yep. the land of the free. You are a United States citizen. You are going to a United States game with United States team playing in a United States stadium in the middle of Texas. The NBA has the security... I've seen videos of this. I'm not going to show you, but I've seen videos of this. will go and say you take down these um, pro-Hong Kong signs, like free Hong Kong. This is really odd in the USA. So the NBA... So wait. So because of some sort of sponsorship deal? Money. So the NBA sells their stuff into China, the games, the products. And because of that, they want to take down... Now, is China telling them, if yeah. you don't do that, we won't buy so, it? So what's happened is um, NBA traditionally speaks out against social issues. So this is where you have with the football and other and other sports, and like the, like the NBA, they kneel and yeah, yeah. You know, this whole thing. Which kind of bugs me, but... Sure. But they're very outspoken and transgenderism, whatever, right? So social justice. That's fine. You want to do your thing, whatever. I'm not a fan, but fine. Then in China, we have reports coming out, which we're going to go through, about abuses and things, the Uyghur population, the Xinjiang province. So some people, some of the players in the NBA and um, some companies like, we're going to go over H&M and so on, have expressed concern to make sure that our products are not coming from slave labor. Mm. China gets wind of this and then starts to do a boycott against a few... Uh, a few I'll show you about, but NBA in particular, they started to tear down, again, I've seen videos of this, they're tearing down their their um, big ads on the side of buildings and the NBA is getting nervous, like they're going to lose their money, so they start to now politically suppress speech in the USA yeah. on behalf of the NBA. It gets so bad now that the NBA um, flat out refuses to even engage on the discussion of China. So much, so, th this is a press conference in which a reporter is saying, look, as I've just said, all of you companies are very good at standing up for social justice issues, so why can't we talk about the Uyghur population in why China? Why can't we talk about Hong Kong? Why can't we talk about... Yeah, yeah, can we just talk about it? And this is what happens when the NBA refuses to hear the question. Hi, Christina McFarlane, CNN. Um, the NBA has always been a league that prides itself on its player and its coaches being able to speak out openly about political and societal affairs. I just wonder, after the events of this week and the fallout we've seen, whether you would both feel differently about speaking out in that way in future. It's a legitimate question. This is an event that's happened this week during during the NBA. This particular question has not been answered. James. Any other questions? You know, it brings to mind a bit of a proverb that the love of money leads to all kinds of evils. Mm. NBA not willing to risk cash, mm. then go out and contradict 
their stance on social justice. Mm-hmm. I mean, this for money. Mm-hmm. This is rubbish. Mm-hmm. I mean, people talk about, uh, you know, oh, I'm into social justice, I'm into this, I'm no, into that. But when it comes down to it, when there's some sort of cost associated, that's when you see the real them. I'm going to be consistent intellectually consistent and say it should be about money for that corporation now and it should have been about money back then. They should have said, not interested in your kneeling or the transgenderism or signaling. I'm interested in selling you basketball tickets. Yeah. That's all I'm interested in. Same with Coca-Cola, same with all these other companies who are going crazy. But did you see in that conference? This is what's chilling. Yeah, the actual organizers in the NBA don't want to talk about it and they're tearing down signs inside games. But did you see the players? Mm. The two players there were like Yes. We're not allowed to talk. We're not we're not saying anything. Yeah, because they've been told to talk. But they're being to, to not talk. About no, they've been told to talk about other issues. Right. Why can't they talk about this issue? No, they can't. They they were also and the reporter says uh, the names, whatever they were. Trevor, Trevor, what, Luke, and they just they're just like Yeah, because this I'm is talking to you. This is icon making. So what? in other words, you you have an opinion. And then instead of you saying it, you tell someone else that everybody loves to say it. Oh, right. Yes. So you make an Which icon. Is the NBA stars. Well, or even movie stars, like, for instance... Um, oh, they're terrible. The Hulk. Whoever played the Hulk. What's his name? Ruffalo. Oh. Ruffalo and Evans and a lot of people that play characters and are known for characters that are very patriotic and American yeah. and all this other stuff... Um, you know, their personal views come out. No. But when Chris Pratt's personal views come out oh, and says... Uh, he's a Christian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Christianity's evil, didn't you know? So, Especially H- in China. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Christianity's evil. H&M, clothing company, mm. Adidas and Nike are currently right now in April 2021 being boycotted in China. Because on March 22nd this year, the EU, the US, the UK and Canada all announced coordinated sanctions on anyone involved in forced labour camps coming out of China's Xinjiang region, which Mm. is home to the Uyghur Muslim population. Mm -hmm. 20% of the world's cotton, the world's cotton comes from there. 85% of China's cotton comes from there. It was even a caricature for most of the 80s and 90s about the the sweatshop boys in China and, you know, mm. child labour and that sort of stuff. I mean, why do you think China... How do you think China gets competitive economically in an international market? For now, it's been cheap labour, making all of our crap, the plastic little crap things. And also devaluing their, their currency... Oh, they do that all the time. ...with absolute abandon. So H&M have had leases cancelled. This is a private thing. If you're mm. a private business who have a lease... The government has come in and forced leases to be cancelled. They were blocked from some e-commerce apps in China. Nike and Adidas are being boycotted in China as well. Their shoes are being burned on the streets and so on. A local Chinese competitor, a sports maker called Anta, Anta, is taking up the slack uh, and saying they will buy the dodgy cotton from the province and buy our stuff. And so their shares are rising. So the reality of private, public-private partnerships in China is control. Yeah, and this is public-private partnerships wherever they they occur because it was set up by the um, uh, the UN. Yeah, but the Chinese expression of a PPP nah. compared to New South Wales PPP. And this is why you've got to be careful about what sort of treaties you sign as a country. 
as a state or Dan as Andrews a state because of Dan Andrews. Because uh, what is ultimately... Okay, I won't say what I was going to say. I was going to use an analogy that a, a favourite uh, musician of mine used to use. But basically when you make a deal with someone, mm. if you know that person is an authoritarian, you or if they agree to your deal, you should be suspicious. Yeah. Because you know yeah. that they're somehow going to make out on this, whereas you're somehow getting fleeced. And so China, the one thing you can know about China without much doubt is that China are going to do what China does for China's Communist Party's sake. And if anyone says anything about that, you're going to get attacked. They've renewed their attacks on us this week. So I know. Like, I'm worried. Like, I was, I was just going to say the point was, OK, Donald Trump says, let's make America great again internationally most hated Racist. politician in the world. Yeah, yeah. China, not coming out and saying, we're going to make China great again, they just going out and, yeah. you know, basically fleecing people and doing horrible things. No one says anything. You can't. I mean, even, middle class. even as far as the persecution, okay, it's almost as if the only people being persecuted are the, I always butcher the pronunciation, Uyghurs. The Uyghurs, right? It started beyond earlier than that. Christians have been persecuted there for ages. Oh, Muslims yeah, persecuted yeah, there. Yeah. The, the, the Tibetan Buddhists. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they have a long history yeah. of persecuting people because their Marxist uh, view, the Communist Party, hates any religious world view. They, world they, view, they, video, no, they, Marxist, they, see it. They do like one. It's oh. a, they call it a uh, s state atheism. No, atheist state. That's what they believe. Yeah, well, that's... Which is in itself that's religion. Yeah, I know. But they push that. So, no, don't get me wrong. They don't just hate Christianity. They hate any... any they hate everybody. They, they hate... But as far as the Western media is concerned and the Western politics are concerned, there's only one group that's actually being persecuted, whereas the Uyghurs. Well, I need to... Let me get a piece of paper. Where is my paper? With me. I have... Behind the scenes from an old newspaper clipping. So in my mailbox this week, I got this. What is Falun Gong? In my, yeah, it was in my mail. Um, what is Falun Gong? So Falun Gong is also called Falun Dafa. And what can it show us about standing up to Beijing? This is before we get to the Uyghurs. Who wrote this? Falun Dafa. So it's, pro it's propaganda. So it's um, from... It's a religious... Yeah, from the Falun Dafa, yeah. which is Falun Gong, Association of Australia in mm -hmm. Haymarket, New South Wales, and CCP.com, reject CCP.com, 21 years of peaceful resistance, 100 million persecuted in China for their belief. So it's a pro-Falun Gong thing, right? So I have bias. no idea what but they believe. I do. What do they So believe? I've been, because I got this and I was like, who are they? Research them. Uh, it's a religion, mm -hmm. very, very mild religion. They believe in slow moving gentle exercises to yeah. re-establish your... So Tai Chi. Whatever. Yeah, like Tai Chi, but whatever. Well, in 1999, China got really angry at them and started to round them up and put them in camps, mm. so, which is what's happening with the Uyghurs now. And they went on this anti-Falun Gong moment because they love state atheism, which is, as I said, a religion in itself. Uh, and have you heard the accusations of organ harvesting from Falun yeah, Gong? Yeah, yeah. Right, and now they're saying it's happening with the Uyghurs. Mm -hmm. right. So... I'm going to try and be as 
reasonable and factual as I can based on this. And we've got a report here from a Canadian, Canadian um, MP who talked about it. Falun Gong is the original Uyghurs, shall we say. This is a current picture. This is Uyghurs right now in 2017, Muslim. Well, it's, even to this day, like any religion is, is anti antithetical to them. If you have mm. a picture of the Dalai Lama, so Buddhism, Tibet, yeah. uh, you are up for, I can't remember if it was beatings or fines. Anyway, you're, up, you're in trouble. If you have images up of Jesus now, they're removing it from the homes. You've got to put up a picture of... Um, They've been taking down crosses off churches for yep. months and months and months, yep. years. Muslim at the moment is being oppressed big time. Yeah, because the, the new Xi Jinping... Uh, Resurgence of national communism. Yeah, 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 yeah state-based atheism. Well, let let me tell you what actually happened about this Falun Gong. Nineteen ninety-nine, they started to crack down, putting them in camps, re-education camps, like they're doing right now with the Uyghurs. So, did you know the organ trade from two thousand, so the year after they started on Falun Gong, from two thousand to two thousand four, China more than tripled the number of hospitals performing transplants. They had a volume growth of kidney transplants of 510%, liver transplants 1,820% growth in four years, heart transplants 1,100% growth, lung transplants 2,450% growth in four years. Now here's where it gets interesting. You probably sometimes percentages. So if you've got one heart, a 100% growth two is two hearts. hearts. Sure. 1,000% growth is... Sure. Right. But we can go on. They were investigated, heaps of international pressure on them, and this is how the Chinese uh, government explained it. Initially, officials claimed that the tens of thousands of annual transplants, there's your answer, mm. um, had used organs willingly donated by civilians. So that's in 2000. Yeah. Oh, sorry, not in 2000. 2000 to 2004 it grows. In 2004, they say willingly donated by civilians. But when the volume could no longer be explained... They then stated in 2005, they mm. changed this story. No, no, no. The organs came from death row prisoners. And it it's going to change again. Ready? Yeah. It's uh, very uncomfortable to hear. Yep. <clears throat> the well-established decline in death row executions from 2000 onwards could not account for what... Um, f could not account for it. So uh, a re this report, Canadian report, says... At least several times more transplants than even the largest estimates of death row prisoners indicates that some other organ source must have been utilised. Have you ever heard of disappearing someone? Uh, in China, a lot. <clears throat> so they changed their story again in 2015. So 10 years later. Mm. China in 2015 changed the story again and says, no, 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 we are sourcing organs from voluntary donors only. So they're back to the 2004 claim. Given that transplants continue both at scale and on demand, it appears that a secondary concealed organ source is now also being exploited. So there is coincidental timing between the disappearance of Falun Gong in 1999 to six months later, the rapid growth of the transplant industry. And right now, since April 2017, authorities in the northwest Xinjiang province, where the Uyghurs are, are believed to have detained as many as 1.8 million Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities in internment camps, with reports of blood testing, DNA typing, and the shipment of detainees to the Chinese interior by rail. The detainees have reported 
blood tests and physical examinations consistent with those necessary to establish organ health. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, qu- the coincident of the mass internment of the Falun Gong and then the rise in the organ trade and then this, look, it's a smoke, it's not the gun, it's a smoking gun. Did, you, did I see the shot fired? No. But the report notes one of the reasons why no one can find out is because the Chinese government does not allow anyone on the ground to investigate. And also, from reports from Christians in country, um, when people disappear, you don't get a body back. Mm. They just disappear. And you don't know where they've gone, whether they're still alive or whether they're not. Sometimes you might be able to get a message, but often... Um, you don't. They just disappear. We are talking about some hard truths that the NBA are unwilling to talk about. This is why you don't support communist countries. I mean, they're not doing anything new. Russia did this. China's doing this now. Mm. This is not new. The, The only difference here is we in the West have selected amnesia of our own recent history. We didn't, I mean, you know, thinking, you said it at the start, thinking, I don't want to think about China anymore. I don't want to either. But we need to. We need to think about unpleasant things. I would love to only think about pleasant things and plan for life and, you know, I would have nothing more than be done with COVID talk and all that sort of stuff. But the reality we live in is, and I got asked a really great question on the looking glass. Why at locals. Do, at locals now. Yeah, because we've migrated. Um, why do people push their worldview on other people? Specifically, they were talking about Christians because I've just done the Christian worldview video. You're, why are you pushing your worldview on all of us, Josh? <sighs> all worldviews push their worldview. This is a realisation I'm having. Some are obvious, like Christians, Mm. like Muslims. Muslims. Some are insidious, like secular humanism and Marxism. And some are medium ground, like Buddhism. They're just like, whatever. Well, Buddhism and the the more minor worldviews, they don't have an evangelical bent. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean they don't at least advocate for their religion. So if Mm. someone comes up to you and says, Matt, I've got a problem. I want to talk to you to see what you think about it, your response to them is going to be filtered through your own worldview. Mm -hmm. So you're advocating your worldview whether you know it or not. Mm -hmm. So everybody has a worldview. Everybody at least advocates for their worldview. In the big major uh, categories of worldviews, the ones that are major in the West, all of them push their worldview on each other. It's just that the Christians... And the Muslims... They tell the truth. They'll, they'll be obvious about it. I'm proselytizing to you. Exactly. Except Muhammad, yeah. Yeah. But the secular humanism don't. The Marxism but don't. They, and, and mainly because they're more insidious because they believe they don't... It's like, you know, when you go to someone and you say, uh, you have an accent, and they say, no, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have the accent, you have the accent. You're talking about C.S. Lewis. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely expressed for the good of its victims is the most oppressive. They don't realise they have a worldview. Mm. Well, they're just doing the right thing in their minds. They're just on the right side of history. You've mm. heard that how many times? I hate that phrase. The right side, the of, right history. side of history. As if history has sides. It, it's, it's, a, it's a logical fallacy called rification, attributing a, contra, a concrete attribute to a non-concrete uh, 
uh, idea. Reification. Reification, reification. I've only seen it spelt. Same as Natalie Barr on Seven News earlier saying, this is, un- is this un-Australian? She's applying a contra- concrete label to... People say it all the time. I follow the science. No, you don't. Science doesn't physically go anywhere. That's right. You read some scientists, so why don't you agree with these other scientists? Now, Ali Langdon would say you're wrong, Josh. I can't stand the way people use language. It's Reading old books is wonderful because they're well written, but also because they use language in a way that is easy to understand. Now, it's a minefield the way people use language. These poor souls. To, Sorry, no, we were fine, divest, digressing. Divesting, we should divest. <laughs> these poor souls right now, Muslim population, and uh, this renewed attacks on uh, Christianity this yeah, last week. Yeah. These poor souls are, are being, I don't know if they're being harvested, but they're, they're certainly being oppressed and um, like this. But then uh, the real problem is not this. The real problem is not an evil that occurs. It's, it's those who stand by and do nothing about it. Or, or even worse, the Western world turns a blind eye and says, we're not going to talk about it. And this is how China wins. Mm. You said you wanted to finish the show talking about going to war with China. The well, possibility of a, a war developing, okay. of a conventional war. Well, I, before I even get your thoughts, and I'll give you mine, I think that China is very, very smart. And I think they're already at war. Mm. And they're winning. I'd agree. Yep. And the way that China fights war is different from the way we've seen traditional wars fought in that possession is nine-tenths of the law. I mean, Hong Kong's done. When they take over Taiwan, it's not going to be a big bloody war. It's going to be like the islands in the South China Sea. It'll be like uh, the Sudeten Germans marching into Czechoslovakia. Yeah. And then the Western war is going to go, oh, do nothing. Don't let it happen. Don't happen. Same thing happened in Tibet. Educated myself on what I to debate. Same thing happened in Lebanon when Syria did the same thing. It's happening all over the place. It's happening in, at least with they purchased the port of Darwin in Australia. At least people are fighting back. Well, did they? Yeah, they purchased oh, okay, it. Good. Um, oh, the people purchased it. No, China, the government yeah. of China purchased the Darwin port. In but Darwin. they've been purchasing ports all around the Pacific. That's right, in the South Pacific, yes. And setting up not only that kind of thing, but also debt traps and... Well, I think that they're going to go to war that way. Um, I think they're already at war. I think they're that at way. war too. But there is non-conventional war, which is that. Then there's conventional war. So let me run through a couple of dot points for the possibility of a conventional war, which is guns and bombs and stuff. Unlikely. Being fought in the world at the moment. China has been aggressively storing and securing raw materials to build stuff, mm. like iron ore, other things like that. Um, they almost ni- over 97, I think, percent of the rare earth element mm. production is in China, mm. especially the uh, special elements that you need that are that are quite rare that you need for uh, high technology stuff. Right? Um, they have a population. <laughs> Your statement just now was so ambiguous. Sorry, hang on a second. Stuff. Comedy break. Comedy break. The, the, he said, the special rare element, like unnamed, for the high technology Yitri- stuff. Yttrium. I can't, I, for the high technology stuff, like as in you might weapons, well, you weapons might, systems, guidance systems, you might have LCD said the, the, screens. The plasma stuff for the proton generator. Yeah, I know, I know. Sorry. My brain was going faster than my mouth. Um, that was excellent. Their people, see, it doesn't matter if internally they have... Uh, 
revolts or people that disagree with the government because you have enough people to get a 200 million man army, mm. right? They have that standing army and they're all very well disciplined, right? And they've mm. never stopped training, really. Mm. Now, contrast... Uh, and their, their military uh, ability as far as machinery and ships and planes and all that stuff, they're approximating the quality of America. Mm -hmm. They're still under a little bit, but they have a lot of it. Okay. Right? They're quite a and they're well, behind. They're well trained. Well, as far as naval, because oh, yeah, that would okay. be Australia's Air Force, direct. satellites, missiles, they're terrible. Air Force, they're down, but they're better than they used to be. Of course, everyone's better than they used to be. But they've got a good Navy, and put it this way, they can tussle in the ring. They're, well, they've just exceeded US in Navy. Uh, not in technology, but in number of boats. So they are Navy's a big problem. But here's the thing about the West. We're in crippling debt. Mm. Our population are at each other's throats over woke, stupid arguments, mm. right? The governments are fragmented and fight amongst each other. They couldn't organise their way out of a paper bag. The level of domestic production in Australia is too low. We cannot, we have outsourced all of our oil and petrol and fuel production to Singapore and other places. Mm. We don't have much here. We have a lot of reserves. We have a lot of reserves, mm. but we don't have yeah. the refineries. Yeah. We are not in a position to be able to fight and win a conventional war with China, mm. even if the UK and America join us too, which probably won't happen, at least America. Yes, but we're relying on China not going to conventional war with us, which I think is a reasonable bet. I don't think they will. But here's the thing. China, I don't think they will necessarily either, but the point is they can use it as a threatening tool. I don't think they will. I don't know. They're already threatening us. They're using other ways. Look, do you, you know there's a bigger problem. We are China in a way. I mean, yes. look, at, look at me, who I am. Because the coercion tactics, the, the co-opting tactics have been more successful, so they haven't need to go to coercion. They're going to coercion now. No, but I'm talking about assimilation. Yeah, that's Mo co-opting. Oh, okay, all right. Heaps of Chinese here, both culturally and biologically, and uh, I, I, I don't think they're going to take over a country by force. I think they're going to... This is where the, the big problem with the conservatives giving in to the demand to gut themselves and fire this person and fire yeah, that right. person. and Anything that can stand up is being gutted. Can I wave the flag for China for a second? Sure, absolutely. Because the Chinese argument that you always hear is stop meddling in our internal affairs. Now, first of all, they define their internal affairs as ex extra things, extra... Ex like our relationship with Taiwan. Yeah, how do you... Or, opposite of internal, yeah. external. They def they def they over define their internal things. They say our relationship with Indonesia is internal affairs, and if you yeah. come and talk about it, they're like, stop messing with our internal affairs, or Tibet, or Taiwan. It's or basically, anything we do, you're not yes. allowed to talk about. However, now I'm going to go to bat for them. I hundred percent believe the CCP when they complain that the Western world has had hegemony around the world forever. Of course, they have. Western world rule like rules the planet, and has since World War Two, and and the Western world prevents China's rise. Of course they do. Uh, the China um, just wants to get on quietly with his own business and have no interference. Yeah, okay, that's a noble goal. But it's brought me to the conclusion that you cannot, you cannot stay neutral. 
Because no, China, no. what we're talking about with worldviews, China yeah. has ambition, USA has ambition, Indonesia and Australia have ambition. We all do. And at the end of the day, you can't say, I want to be a big hug or like, I want to welcome China to the world stage. I want to welcome USA and UK and Saudi Arabia because there are, there are fundamental value conflicts mm. between China and the US, between how we run businesses, between whether we do this or not. Uh, between the UK and Saudi Arabia. There are, there are differences. And at the end of the day, I've learned in the last six months that I have to choose a side. Yeah. I, can't, I can no longer say, no, no, I want everyone to be all friends and China can have whatever they want and USA can have whatever they want. I've had to choose. And I've the chosen... The worldview wars mean that there is no neutral. True. But in terms of geopolitics, which I studied in uni and got the idea I can be all friendly and embrace everything, I've now decided that, no, I'm choosing USA. Mm. I'm looking at the atrocities the USA has committed, but I'm looking at the amazing things the USA has done. Yeah. And the USA has been a bastion, not just of freedom and liberty, but of an increasing human wealth and welfare around the world for all mankind, for all of history. They you, have been so blessing to our world. Do you know why China... China was a, a third world country. Mm. And now it's... At least, you know, like I said before, it can be in the ring with some of the Western countries now. Yeah, they're doing well. Because the Western countries reached out. Yeah, and they should have. Not, yes, I agree. That's a But you were saying before, you know, I can understand what China is saying, don't mess around in our affairs. It's like, well, see, that's convenient. Because when we offered China help and business to help their people... They accepted. Yeah, but the same thing with the Aboriginal population here in Australia. I bl- so that in one sense, you can say, I, I get why the Aboriginal people say the same thing. Yeah. You've come and you've messed with our internal culture. And yes, that's true. But your argument as well, we, Aboriginal culture then versus now, in terms of healthcare and, and technology, you know, the Western world colonialism has brought a lot of good things to the Aboriginal culture in Australia. I'm trying to say... You've got to take into account both those positions okay. and, and choose certain parts of Western culture whilst maintaining parts okay. of Aboriginal culture. How about I say this? Same with China. It's possible that the West used its prosperity as a manipulated tactic of course we towards cer- certain other yeah. second world, which is communist countries yeah. like Russia and... Yeah. And originally they did it for good reasons, for... for altruistic reasons they were honestly trying to uh, spread a Judeo-Christian ethic Mm. throughout the world Mm. but that Judeo-Christian ethic has been dwindling and come under attack and fragmented and been replaced now I think with a secular humanist ethic Mm. which I don't think has the the stones to really deal in the world we're about we're seeing that now Mm. we're seeing them falter and China doesn't have a China has a lot of steadfastness. Yes, but they don't have a secular humanist. I know you talk about them being quite secular. They have quite a religious zealot view. But that is, you know, when you read the secular humanists' comment on Marxism, they call it a religious worldview. Yeah, it is. Mm, It is. And so to think, yeah, okay, neutrality is not. We could go on this forever. All right. So anyway, I'm just flying the flag a bit for China because I do feel a bit like they have a point. Mm. Yeah, And I'm not saying they're yeah. wrong and we win. I'm saying it is terrible. It is sad that we've lost so much Aboriginal culture in Australia. It is sad that there are parts of China I, I want to control and suppress. That is sad. Yeah, But I feel like there is no other choice because if they run the world, if they run all the PPPs, 
If they are the dominant global player, life for humans will be worse off. Yeah, they're the gorilla in the jungle. Like, mm -hmm. you know it's there, you don't want to run into it. But you have to live with it. I think, I think full circle, that's what we've done this episode, is this why we exist, is we've had conversations that you're not allowed to have. We've had, we've, we've role modelled two people talking. But we haven't said any swear words. No, well, no I spelled one. We've, we've role modelled talking, and I'm hoping the people watching can have their own discussions, because at the end of the day, I don't know if you believe this, but I always say, don't trust me, don't trust Josh, mm. don't trust the people's project, don't trust discernible, trust yourselves. The idea is not to convince you of anything. It's you know, to give a forum and permission that no one else is giving. Yeah. That you can have a discussion with the people that you know. You don't. You can sit around the barbecue and discuss anything you want. Don't We're listen. not going to persecute you because you have a worldview or because you have a worldview different to us or an opinion different to us. But it's not even us not going to persecute you. Natalie Barr is wrong when she says you can't have these barbecue conversations. Of course you can have them. Or that She's it's wrong. not good. It no, is actually it is. really good. Very good. Because the way that you come to truth is through discussion. So keep discussing. Hope you've enjoyed seeing our discussion, and we'll be back, be back in a few weeks with. Uh, I'm actually replacing you. Yeah. For an episode. I think I think the uh, the audience will rebel. I know who it is. I've done my research. Really? Yeah. I was way. I was onto the internet way back at the start. I know how to stalk people. Yeah, don't listen. It's Delta Kundra. It is. She's got a new album to launch. So bring you in. I'm so excited. You're lying to me. You know when I went to Madame Two Swords? <laughs> no, I don't know when you went to Madame Two Swords. There is some beautiful figurines in there. Mm. The most stunning, beautiful. Actually, I'll, I'll put equal first. The two most stunning figures. Kate, Princess Kate, mm. and Delta Goodrum. Really? You don't like... Uh... Queen was pretty hot too. I was thinking of no, Kylie Minogue. It's just funny because you never see these stars in real life. So when you go to the Madame Two Swords, you get to see their actual dimensions and you go, oh my goodness, you're not a normal pretty human walking around. You are a specimen. Oh, okay. Specimen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Like your your genes and your bone structure is abnormally good. Um, yeah. As opposed to the elephant man whose genes and bone structure is really horrible. <laughs> you know, for the normies like us, it's nice to occasionally look on something so beautiful. What do you it's nice to have pretty faces on television, but I like the fact that, you know, we're not necessarily pretty. So we know that the audience is watching us for what's... I'm carrying my side of the bargain. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I put makeup on. You don't even put makeup on. No, because, you know, I think... Love me as I am. Love me as I am. Judge me from what comes out of here and what I do with these my hands. Go and enjoy Melbourne people. Have a great week. See you in a few weeks time.